This week, Area 51 is under attack, Nintendo is recovering from piracy, and the DOJ is getting serious about ransomware. It's Sunday, June 6th, 2021, and this is episode 596 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through uh, our live stream platforms like Livestream.com, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or of course on our website, PluggitsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, First Looks, and a whole lot more. And of course, you can find all the ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along. All right, Avram, how are you doing this week? Not bad. Not bad. Oh, spending a lot of time building uh, building robots with my son, soldering things. Uh, so, you know, always, always fun. Uh, he mostly built this one by himself, so... Okay. Uh, but now we're adding uh, ultrasonic sensor to it, and um, and we have to add a um, and uh, we have to add RGB to it. So uh, you know, there's not enough wires on it uh, yet. So <laughs> <laughs> the um, but there's always. Uh, always a challenge earlier this evening i was trying to solder a bunch of rgb light strips together uh uh it was not uh, easy to get like the little stripped ends of the wires to adhere to them uh what a pain in the butt so um yeah you know it's uh it's it's always a always a challenge but we got to the part where point where we can now control this uh raspberry pi pico powered robot through a web browser uh because it we nice. have a thing with MicroPython where we can control it uh over wi-fi so drive it over wi-fi so uh now we're just trying to get it to do other things like obstacle avoidance and light up fun colors and maybe see if we can get the camera to work on it things like that well that sounds like a fun project that you've gotten yourself into yeah it it seems like you've always got yourself into interesting projects over yeah there. the question is whether we'll finish any of them but sure <laughs> this one is probably the closest to finish because it actually does drive now so there's <laughs> so there's that uh it's just adding these extra things that are an extra an extra bit of challenge but you know there's always that and then he always wants me to take some other robot chassis and do some other robot things so 
got a bunch of other robot chassis lying around here for other purposes, for other boards to do. And of course, my personal one I want to do most right now or soon is uh, making our own uh, RGB etch a sketch uh, mm -hmm. where you'll be where you'll be able to draw things uh, using a couple of dials. So um, yeah, it's uh, you know. It's the stuff we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, it's it's one of those things uh, that once you start doing it, it's addicting. You get stuck in it, right? You, you enjoy it, and you're like, oh, but what if I... <laughs> you end up yeah. sometimes going down these weird paths, like your, your, uh, your Etch-a-Sketch idea. You're like, all right, well, I've got this yeah. crazy idea. Mm -hmm. And at some point I will get to it and you start collecting. And I, for me, a lot of that happens in this room, <laughs> which would explain yeah. why there's so much weird stuff, you know, always around me <laughs> in here and things are always changing with the lights. And, you know, I, I totally understand. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, well, uh, for, for those of you uh, who don't know, uh, next week, just as a, a piece of information, next week we will have we will be off from the regular show, but uh, that's because we will be over in Orlando uh, for a Drew Project event uh, because it's whew, Saturday is the fifth anniversary of uh, Pulse, which is... Hard to believe that it's been five years. Uh, so we will be doing a Drew Project event over there um, on Sunday. So no show, but you might see uh, some some kind of candid style live stuff if you uh, if you stay over on Twitch with us uh, of the event. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, of course, uh, we'll have we'll have uh, information if people are interested in donating to the to the organization. On the uh, on the live stream, so definitely check that out. So uh, follow us over there on Twitch. Um, also, um, tonight is interesting uh, for sure. On live, we're trying something new. Uh, all of the graphics that people normally see for the finished show are happening on the live show tonight. Fingers crossed that everything works. So <laughs> a little nervous, uh, but that's that's okay. We'll see how it goes. And I guess with that. Let's get down to some news. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, desperately trying to find an Xbox, uh, get some games, or a whole lot more, you can find all of that at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to browse the products and learn more about those discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Now, obviously, we have uh, had good things to say about a lot of Alienware stuff over the years. Uh, we had a segment on the Pilch Point just, uh, what, a month and a half, two months ago, 
uh, where we talked about some of the new hardware. But with any brand, there are going to be problems and a lawsuit against the company, and particularly against Dell, the parent of the Alienware brand, um, about the uh, Area 51M, the first gen- the R1, the first generation, uh, has kind of hit this week, and uh, Tom's Hardware covered it, and we did as well. Uh, Dell claimed at CES and beyond, uh, because they unveiled it at CES 2019, uh, that the systems would be hyper-upgradable. Um, they didn't really talk about what that meant, <laughs> but they did kind of suggest that the idea was that you wouldn't have to replace a whole system down the line. You could upgrade it. Now, that's unusual, right, Avram? It's super unusual for major upgrades on a laptop. So people got excited, which makes sense. Well, uh, they shipped with the ninth generation Intel processors and the 10th generation uh, changed the chipset. So processors weren't upgradable. Then NVIDIA went and made structural changes behind the scenes on their video cards. And despite Dell having a proprietary video interface, they said that they were not would not be compatible, which meant the two big things that people would want to customize whoop, didn't work. Um, so you weren't able to upgrade the processor or the video card. So this new lawsuit claims that Dell knew when they started marketing that uh, that this wouldn't be possible because obviously they get access to the roadmap. They know a lot more about what's going on than you and I do because they have to build the computers and oftentimes you know, stuff is available shortly after launch. So they know stuff before we do. And uh, so uh, they're looking for a class action status on this because a lot of these systems were sold. And uh, I don't know, it seems... It seems like a difficult place to be, but uh, the primary the uh, primary person on this lawsuit has got a really solid solo lawyer and class action lawyer on this. So I don't know, Avram. What do you think? I think Alienware should have never advertised something as being upgradable. Uh, that. That is a um, that when we when the first area 51m came out, I remember distinctly talking to my colleagues at work about this and saying, all of us saying, yeah, I don't see how they're going to to support this this uh, and lo and behold, they haven't. Now it depends on your definition of upgradability. Apparently, if you want to upgrade within the same uh, generation, you mm-hmm. can. Right. But who who wants that? So, if you had bought, let's say, an Alienware, uh, you know, if you let's say you had bought an Alienware uh, M50 R- Area 51M with like an RTX. 2060 card in it you could then later get an upgrade kit to take you to a 2060 to a 2080 mm-hmm. but i don't know how many people 
are looking to upgrade within the same generation. Right. It's see like what what is the point of that? Like, oh, well, I saved five hundred dollars or however many hundred dollars on the difference in price between the lower end and higher end graphics card when I bought this six months ago or a year ago. Now let me spend you know all this money to get an upgrade kit. I, I think generally speaking people who are upgrading they're going from generation to generation you get the best that's reasonably affordable within the generation that you have and then you know a couple of years probably a year two three later you look and say hey can i just upgrade this piece of my computer now with desktops thankfully that's still the case you have a pc a PCIe slot, and if you have a CPU that is five years old, you can still use it with a GPU that is new. And if your mm-hmm. five-year-old CPU isn't a bad one, it, it may be well worth it to just upgrade the GPU. Depending on, you know, I mean, at a certain point they're out of whack, and like if you have a really old CPU and a really new GPU, it's not going to work out. Right. But you know, if let's say you have a CPU that's a couple of years old and you want the latest GPU, you don't need to upgrade your CPU also. Right. You don't need to upgrade your RAM also. So, uh, I mean, that's one of the beautif- beautiful things about using desktop. And I think we've all wished at some point that that same process could be brought to desktops. Yeah. I mean, brought to laptops, the, the one that you have on a desktop. And uh, no, that's <laughs> not happening. So, I mean, part of... Uh, I mean, part of the problem is I don't think the cards themselves were ever designed to be swapped out like that. So Alienware themselves had to come up with their own standard for upgrading. Uh-huh. And, and therein lies the problem. No, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody in the industry wants to do this, but the right thing to do for everybody would be if for consumers would be if Intel and AMD and maybe a couple of others Maybe the major laptop makers like Dell and uh, and Asus and HP and Lenovo uh, got together and said, "Hey, we're coming up with a standard for a standard chassis and a standard mother motherboard standards like like exist on the desktop, right? You mm-hmm. can get it. It's an eight. There's motherboard standards, ATX, mini mini ITX." EATX, right? There's certain standard motherboard sizes that people generally use for desktops. And then there's a certain kind of card that you have. You have a PC, a PCI card, right? And then there's a certain kind of, you know, now what fouls people up a lot is the CPU socket, because usually unless you're on AMD, you can't reuse the same motherboard across generations. You usually, depending, you know, you usually have to upgrade the chipset and motherboard. I mean, with sometimes from one generation to the next, like 10th to 11th gen or something like that, you may be able to get away with uh, with using the last gen motherboard. But after a couple of years, a couple of generations, that's not possible. Yeah. But you know, with graphics cards, it certainly is. And with RAM, it certainly is to keep those for a long time. So, I, so bottom line, uh, Alienware should have never made this should have never made this uh this promise i mean I whether they're whether the exact language they use they used what is deemed legally 
sufficient. Like, oh, you can upgrade. But I think the, um, you know, should Alienware have known that, that it was not going to be upgradable to future generations? Yes. Not because they even have to have secret information, right. just because like this is how it works so yeah they would um and and unfortunately what happens is the burden is all on the alienware right mm -hmm. because these are not industry standard parts so i don't know how complicated it would be but theoretically alienware could come out with a replacement motherboard or something like that mm -hmm. but then you'd ask well is the cooling that we put in here adequate right. and obviously the the constraints of the power supply and the chassis uh, can't, you know, can't really get much better. Uh, so it's just, it's not, laptops are not designed to be modular. We're lucky when we're able to upgrade the RAM and the storage. I was going to say and anything. That, right. <laughs> I mean, a lot of systems, and it's much to my chagrin because it's very annoying, is a lot of times you'll buy it, this is not in the gaming world, but in the, like, ultrabook lightweight thin world you'll buy a laptop and the ram will be soldered to the motherboard they don't really have to do that i think mm -hmm. but they're doing it because they don't want you to to open it or they don't want you to to buy your own ram mm -hmm. and you know you might spend hundreds of dollars to go up from like 8 to 16 gigabytes of ram which is really bogus considering that you know it's probably really a 50 dollar upgrade or something right. like that so um it is it is frustrating for sure uh alienware should have i don't think i think this is a case where alienware way over promised even though they can probably they may be on legally firm ground to say hey look we came up with an upgrade kit but i think when most people expect when they're buying an upgradable thing is that they can go to the next generation yeah and so so my guess is that the argument that we're going to see out of dell is that when you purchase the machine on the website, it said current upgrade path maxes out at, and that, that max out never changed. So at no point did they promise beyond the upper limits of, of the ninth generation Intel uh, uh, processors. At no point did they promise outside of the NVIDIA generation. Um, but were people looking at that? You know, did the word currently <laughs> suggest that it would change in the future? Can they argue that it means that it could change in the future, right? So it's, I have a feeling like a lot of uh, uh, false advertisement arguments, it's going to come down to some really weird but fascinating semantics conversations <laughs> um, about... You know what does, you know, uh, what does is mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> those of us who are old enough to remember that one. Um, I think it's going to come down to some really detailed semantics, but, and I think we had this conversation at dinner during CES 2019. I think yeah. we said, yeah, this is a mistake. <laughs> yes, yes, it's. It, I mean, obviously. But you know what? This is a this is a little bit of a teachable moment for everyone who is remotely interested in getting a gaming laptop. The there's still a wonderful place in the market for gaming desktops. There's there or for just for desktop PCs. Period. Gaming or not, right? 
I would pick mine up off the floor and kiss it, but then I would probably disconnect this call. So let's not sure. do that. But anyway, the and of course there are the several in here. Is, yes, there. The the thing that is is beautiful about about these these desktops here is that you can have it your way. You can upgrade them. You can build it your way. You can have exactly the fan that you want. And and you know what? That's something that is very rare in technology and probably wouldn't be invented today if it didn't already exist. True. Because uh, because everything else in technology has moved toward more and more and more proprietary and let and more sealed unopenable boxes which is why there's a whole bunch of people who have like a right to repair movement and things like that because they're irritated about the fact that all these things are made in in such an untouchable unmodifiable way we've but, seen a, we've seen a uh, huge shift to socs look at the the Apple M1, right? Uh, right. Whatever you purchase, whoop, that's it. There's no RAM upgrades, no nothing, because uh, that is yep. all contained in a single piece of silicon. So unless you're buying a desktop, and this this is why desktops are wonderful, and I hope that they that that they continue forever. Uh, the they are upgradable. Almost nothing else in the almost nothing else can you count to be upgradable at all even by software by the way so like you know your phone we've talked about this in the past can you count on the on the good nature of samsung to keep upgrading you to new android versions no i mean if they say that they're going to upgrade you to a new android i mean they have there are some phone phones where they say hey look we're going to go up another what year or two years we're going to give you updates but the the bottom line is there's very few things uh, very few devices where you can realistically count on them to be upgradable by either software or by software and hardware or, 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 or even just software, uh, in perpetuity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got non windows laptops that even though the hardware would theoretically support upgrades, nope. That was that's the end of the the OS for you. Uh, we see it with phones all the time. Obviously, tablets since they tend to run a version of the phone operating systems. Outside of desktops for hardware and Windows in general, because you can usually force or Linux as well. You can force it onto devices that it probably shouldn't run on anyway. I mean, there's really nothing else that supports such a such an upgrade path. So yeah, I think I think this was an all-around mistake uh, for so many reasons. Yeah, we will we will be keeping an eye on this one because I find it weird. And again, it's something that we talked about during CES. I think at I think at Burger we had this conversation that night, and we're like, <laughs> what a dumb announcement that was I, I i i hope that here's to january 2022 discussing the status of this lawsuit at burger yes <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> we'll ma i will make sure to look up wherever the lawsuit is at uh if it's still going on or if it was settled or whatever by on the uh, way to the restaurant january on the way to the restaurant while we're waiting in line to get in there you go <laughs> yeah well we'll keep everybody updated uh 
if and when anything interesting happens with the case. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. And you can get a special price right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. So, we were just talking... <laughs> about uh, upgradability and and sometimes our tendency to put operating systems on hardware that it shouldn't be on. And one of the things that comes with that is uh, software problems. And you guys have been dealing with some of yeah. that, right? So so we have just launched uh, at, we have just launched at Tom's hardware. In time, just in time for a new version of Windows to potentially come out at the end of this month, uh, a guide for uh, on how to deal with everyone's favorite thing, blue screens of death. Uh, if you're not familiar with the blue screen of death is, I think probably anybody listening to this program or watching this program is familiar, but that's that screen you get when, you're, when your Windows crashes and it, the screen turns blue and in Windows 10, it, it gives you a frowny face uh, and it and it gives you some type of an error. Um, usually gives you one of these stop codes, which is uh, usually something like critical process died, IRQL not less or equal, page fault in non-paged area, system thread exception not handled, all those things. So we are are working with. Um, we have a new writer, Ed Tittle, who is a famous uh, Windows 10. A Windows expert, Windows author, and he's been doing a bunch of stories on how to deal with it if you get a blue screen of death. And hopefully, when people get blue screens of death and they Google uh, and they're looking for help, uh, we we will have some help for them. So, what should you do if you get a blue screen of death? Well, first of all, uh, the thing the thing to do is. Uh, if possible, before it, it reboots itself, take a note of what the stop code was. Was it critical process died, whatever, if you can. Now, by default, most computer, most Windows computers are set to automatically reboot themselves after a few seconds, so you may not have time to do it. I, I actually recommend, although this is not the default, that you go into the startup and recovery before you ever get a blue screen of death, you go into the startup and recovery um, options in Windows 10 and disable or uncheck where it says automatically restart because that way when you get a blue screen of death, it, your computer won't restart and you can take a picture uh, of the screen. But even if you don't, that's okay because by default, Windows keeps uh, a memory dump and uh, what you need, what you need to do, uh, what you need to do is, you want to uh, take a, you you may want to take a look at what is in the memory dump. So there's a number of tools that will actually read your memory dumps. There's one that uh, that we like called Blue Screen View from a company called uh, Nearsoft, uh, and 
it is a, a free download and that will open all of your little uh, dump files for you and show you uh, what the you know what the error was. Now, knowing what the error is and fixing it are, are not necessarily the same thing, but it always helps. Uh, the few the, the order of operations that you should do when you are investigating a blue screen of death is uh, first of all, you want to look at what has changed recently on your computer. Have you installed new software? Have you up, updated a driver? Have you upgraded the hardware? Those are the, you know, the main culprits for, for system crashes. So you want to try to systematically use the scientific method and figure out which of these it was. Um, one thing you can do is you can boot into safe mode, uh, which means that you will not have a, you know, all of the, the drivers running. And so you can see, hey, is it, am I still blue screening in this? Or you can do what's called the clean boot, which we um, have a tutorial on how to do, which involves just disabling all non-Microsoft services and programs that start up to see if it's one of those. And if you don't get a blue screen, then you slowly turn them back on. But, but with an eye toward what did I update or, re or install recently? Right. What what's the new software that that I just installed? What's the new driver that I just installed? Um, if you if it is a driver, if you think it is a driver, the thing to do would be to go into the device manager, uh, right click on the device, go to the driver tab, and then there should be a, a rollback button. Um, if there's not, then you may need to just download and reinstall an older version of the driver. If, if that's what it is. Uh, so you want to you see which of these things it is. Is it software? Is it a driver? Um, is it possibly even a rogue Windows update? Uh, and you may need to go, go and actually uninstall a, window, uninstall a Windows update itself, uh, which is you know, really messed up, but not, uh, not impossible to have happen. I, uh, for better or worse, have one of my computers in the Windows Insider program. And for a while, there was an update that was causing my computer to not blue screen, but I don't know what you call this technically. Go into a coma. It would boot to a blank screen, and then I couldn't, I couldn't see anything. But it wasn't off. So it was neither, it was like somewhere between life and death. Right. I couldn't boot Oof. up my computer. Uh, and so what I would have to do is like hold down the power button, turn it off, power, force power off, turn it on again. Same thing. After it happened, like th after it happens two times in a row, then Windows automatically rolls back to a previous uh, state. And so Windows would be OK. But then it would immediately try to download the same update again. Like, hey. <laughs> You don't have the latest update. Let me download this for you again and break your computer again. You know, so I keep delaying and delaying and delaying the update. Like, don't give me this update. It's going to break my computer. And then every few weeks it would do it anyway. It was very, very frustrating. Finally, and I could not figure out what, what was causing it. And I could not exit the uh, Insider program, which really makes me think maybe the Insider program is not so great if you really need your computer. Um, 
because while I like to have access to the latest and greatest stuff, if my computer can't be booted and there's no way to fix it, yeah, like getting out of the insider program seems to be like getting out of a gang or something. It's really, uh, it's it's really hard to get out once you're in. Uh, I think the way that the, the official way to get out would be if you had a full update or something, like if you were at the next, if your, what do you call it? If your uh, insider build coincides with the latest actual build, then I think you can leave at that time. Uh, or you can just reinstall, do a clean reinstall of Windows and then lose all your programs and, and settings and everything. So, um, so I kind of stuck with it and then eventually I got an update that didn't break my computer. I still don't know why the previous one did. Um, I guess I managed to hang around for like two or three months until they finally, you know, finally came out with a new update that I guess didn't have that problem, but it was uh, very frustrating, but that's, that's not a blue screen. But uh, nevertheless, the thing to do is use blue screen view uh, and try to eliminate go through a process of elimination to to figure out what problem it is. Now, uh, as I alluded to at the beginning of this segment, Microsoft may be coming out with a new version of Windows soon. Uh, there is a lot of rumors and hinting that the June 24th Microsoft event will be uh, the announcement of Windows 11 uh, because of the pictures that they've shown that like look like an 11 and uh it's at 11 a.m uh, so it's possible there will be a new version of windows however i almost guarantee that even when that happens these steps will probably be the same uh, and and of course just because they're announcing windows 11 doesn't mean we're actually people are actually going to be on windows 11 um any anytime soon so Anyhow, so keep keep those things in mind, and if you don't remember, just go to Tom's Hardware and look for BSOD, Blue Screen of Death, and uh, you will find our many resources. Well, I can say that uh, not on not on Blue Screen of Death yet, thank goodness, <laughs> but I have uh, I have on more than one occasion. Uh, in fact, uh, just before the show. Uh, gone searching for for help on things, and I always tend to find myself on Tom's hardware, which is a good sign. That, that yeah, we're, I mean we're ch we're trying to be there when people find you know people search. Just this afternoon, co very coincidentally, my nine year old son uh, was trying to figure out how to make this um, ultrasonic sensor work. Mm -hmm. with a Raspberry Pi Pico, and so he Googled ultrasonic sensor Raspberry Pi Pico, and he landed on our website because <laughs> we had a tutorial on how to do it from a few months ago. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're always out there trying to trying our best to make it work, uh, to help people, to empower people, and so that you can uh, not just uh, not just be a follower and passively uh, accept what happens to your computer or your <laughs> Uh, or your devices that you can you can take control and figure out what you know how to solve problems and how to take your take your technology to the next level. So uh, that's always the goal. Well, it is definitely appreciated, obviously by 
enough people that I stumble on it all the time. Even your son, <laughs> by coincidence, <laughs> found himself there. That's that is a good sign that uh, you're on the right path, and I appreciate it. I know a lot of people, a lot of other people do as well, and I also appreciate you bringing this. Uh, information to us tonight and as always i look forward to what we talk about next This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Loot Crate. Uh, whether you're a gamer, anime fan, or pop culture aficionado, Loot Crate has got a crate for you. They curate a bundle of collectibles, apparel, figures, and more that you can't find anywhere else. Crates get delivered to your door. It's like getting an awesome birthday present from a friend every single month. And, uh... To learn more about the crates that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash loopcrate. So, we may have talked about this in the past. I don't remember. Um, in 2019, uh, there was a website that, uh, that Nintendo went after uh, called... Oh, it has totally slipped my mind now. ROM Universe. ROM Universe? Yes. Uh, it was popular for downloading illicit copies of uh, video games, particularly Nintendo. And uh, I think we all know that, especially over the last couple of years, Nintendo has gotten uh, super protective of its IP, uh, so much so that they were causing trouble on Twitch, even uh, with people streaming they stopped that. They stopped a couple of other things. But what they haven't stopped has been dealing with piracy. So, lawsuit was filed in 2019. The site shut down in 2020. But this week, the uh, the case uh, was finally dealt with. And the end result is that the founder was essentially charged $2.1 million um, for a variety of reasons. The first is uh, $35,000 per game that was uh, that was available on the site, which came to $1.715 million. And the other $400K uh, came as uh, trademark infringement by using the protected box art. Uh, so, obviously, that's a big settlement, a big judgment um, against a guy who we have learned has no income uh, his income at one point had been coming from the site and now he is essentially on unemployment and food stamps so nintendo does not expect to actually get a penny out of this i think what they're hoping is that this will dissuade others from filling the void left by uh the disappearance of rom universe and with a judgment of that size that's a that's a pretty big reason not to to get into this space, I would think. What do you think, Abram? <laughs> what was the reason to get into the space? Uh, uh, right? <laughs> now, 
to be fair, um, it's interesting because we talk all the time about um, we talk all the time about uh, emulation, right? Uh-huh. And there's it's it's very interesting that there's a very big legal market that sort of relies heavily on a let's put uh, charitably a gray market uh, or non market of sure. uh, you know questionably legal downloads uh, question, questionably perhaps likely perhaps unsavory downloads. unsavory downloads so for example right um, there's a whole bunch of uh, there's a whole bunch of um, Raspberry Pi kits including I have one on the shelf behind me here that um, that allow you to create like raspberry pi emulators right some of the some of the kits make your raspberry pi look like a nintendo some of it make it look like an arcade machine uh whatever it looks like is not really the issue the issue is you have software and the software can emulate various consoles including several nintendo consoles but atari and television (laughs) and television believe it or not they're coming out with an intellivision remake retro machine i keep getting pr about it there's um, an atari there's an atari one coming out soon oh yes but atari was quite popular yeah, television true. i'm surprised anyone remembers anyway so yes atari vcs oh we may well i think we'll have one show before this but i do want to say just want to say for people following atari vcs is coming is supposedly coming out in the 15th so mm-hmm. um but anyway, for those sorts of things like Atari VCS, like the, the company had to pay has to pay extensive licensing, right. right? But there's a lot of things out there for your PC or for Raspberry Pi or other things where you have emulators, and the right. emulators themselves are legal, but the but the ROMs that you need to actually do something useful with the emulator are mostly probably maybe not, right? I mean, there's a handful of people who there's a handful of people out there who have maybe made their own custom old style Nintendo game or something. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't think that's why people are primarily making these machines. Right. So um, there's also, so just it, like, just like with music, there's a, there's an interesting gray area for people who own the cartridge for a game, but are playing it through an emulator. There's a, there's right, a right. library so, of Congress, you know, right to, there's an interesting position there but for most people yes maybe if you bought the i mean it's still likely we did a story on this a couple years ago it's still likely although i don't know that these things have ever really been tested much in court it's still likely illegal to uh, download a copy of something you own the cartridge of or whatever um and whether whether you buy your own like ripper to rip the cartridge and then you've done it all yourself maybe that's better but again a lot of these things have never been tested in court what is for sure going to get you in in big trouble is running a site where you share where you share these these roms the and chance God, of you for downloading them being in trouble is is slim because there's it's slightly it's doing certainly it. less yeah but what's going to make so it even worse running, is if you charge a monthly subscription to access the yes. site <laughs> which yes. is the case so here. 
so that's like that's asking for it and you know asking for nintendo to come after you asking for mm -hmm. the ip holders to come after you and that is exactly what happened here um i i feel bad for this person even though they certainly made their own bed here uh sure but um uh, I do, I do feel bad for the person, but they certainly made they certainly made their own bet. Now, probably there's probably still a ton of places to find these sorts of ROMs, but they're probably operating operating in ways and places that are are more out of reach. Maybe they're in other countries that they can't easily be be sued. Maybe they're on BitTorrent or something like that. Maybe they're Hi, places hiding where behind Tor. Not ideal. Yeah, things like that. So, yeah. They, um, so yeah, I feel, uh, I feel bad for this person. I mean, at this point they should have known better, yeah. uh, by 2019 or whenever they, they absolutely should have known better. So, you know, maybe 20 years ago, you could make this claim that yeah, I didn't know right. better, but, um, not, in, not in the last many years. No. Uh, another thing that this brings to mind is if you, I don't know if they're still on Amazon, I should check. But occasionally you'll find emulation stuff for sale on Amazon where they uh -huh. sell you the games and a micro SD card with the games on them. Uh -huh. And they're absolutely doing the same thing that this person is doing. Yes. And, and, and they, you know, you can get them on wish too. That was the whole thing with, uh, with soldier boy, right. Was that he was buying these things on wish, getting them custom branded, selling them for, uh, 22 times. <laughs> what he was getting them on wish for or uh, uh maybe alibaba or aliexpress or whatever it doesn't matter the source but it was the same thing it was all it was all illegal and he's going nope i've got license on this and nintendo publicly called him out and went no you don't you absolutely do not because we don't license this to anybody uh and then now if you go to that website it uh forwards to nintendo.com so so here's so here's an interesting um right of rom universe so, too so so without even really trying and i don't know how many of these there are right uh i went to amazon.com and i looked for like nes raspberry pi micro sd so somebody is selling 128 gigabyte retro pi raspberry pi four card premium collection with video previews and 3D box art, 15,000 plus retro classics. Um, uh, aha. Uh, yeah, it doesn't say, it doesn't say what they are. Uh, but although someone asks, are there any N64 games on this? And it says, yes, they are available. Uh, and, and the person says, and I doubt this would save them from a lawsuit disclaimer i do not own any copyrights by purchasing any files from me you are contractually agreeing to the rules mentioned below you only license or game for any rom image included and will remove any roms for which you do not for which you do not that, that sentence ends abruptly oh i'm sorry because which you do not you will not distribute any of these files illegally so like that's now i mean that one the person's selling the content they're selling the content yeah. for 60 bucks 
right? And, and directly selling it as opposed to selling membership to a to a site that has the content, which, by the way, his whole argument in court relied on the idea that that this was a user-generated content site and that he was not liable under the safe harbor clause of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, but he also admitted in a deposition that he had personally uploaded a large percentage of the game of games on the site. So, whoop, there goes your safe harbor. So here's the question. This raises an interesting question, though. What if, what if that were true? Would he have had a good defense if that were true? If he uh, didn't? He probably would have because he has well he had well documented that anytime Nintendo had contacted him in the past with a DMCA takedown notice, he had done it. Uh, um, so uh, within a reasonable time period and usually within 24 to 48 hours. So he was on top of it and uh, and responding to DMCA takedowns if he had not personally been responsible for any of the content on the site, he probably could have gotten away with at least a slap on the wrist you know, or at most a slap on the wrist, but probably uh, hiding under safe Harbor. Although it is Nintendo and they have the weirdest legal team <laughs> that they're very good. In this case, he defended himself, which was probably a mistake <laughs> going up against a very talented legal team at Nintendo, but he undermined himself right from the get go. So Right. I think, yeah, I think the problem there is that they, yeah, he, I mean, first of all, he shouldn't have, he should have uploaded. But second of all, the problem is there's not a lot of uninfringing uses of his site. Like YouTube yeah. can say, oh, you know, every now and again, somebody uploads a copyright violation, but, you know, we've got a lot of legitimate uses of our site. Like what, what? If you run a ROM universe, there's not a lot. I mean, I guess there could be a handful of a handful of people who make their own ROMs, or like, perhaps oh, look, I made my own. Yeah. Or perhaps copyright owners that do freely distribute their old content. There's definitely a possibility of that, but it would be a very small percentage because so many of them continue to sell on, say, the Nintendo Virtual Console, although Nintendo has started to pull their own games from the Virtual Console, but that's a different topic. Uh, you know, a lot of the old games are still available in various forms across a plethora of, uh, of uh, platforms that it would be unlikely that there'd be a whole lot of legitimate content. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. It all seems very silly to me that uh, he even gave this a shot. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, like I said, I guarantee Nintendo has no expectation of getting anything back from this except uh, the fact that we are talking about it, making sure that everybody who listens knows that Nintendo will go after you. And that, that was almost certainly their point. Point made. Good job.
This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus can't stop. Uh, Malwarebytes Premium actively blocks threats like worms and rogues and spyware and ex exploits, bots, and a whole lot more. And you can use uh, your computer and mobile device with confidence and peace of mind. And to learn more and to get a special price right now, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. So speaking of malware, uh, over the last month or so, ransomware has certainly made the news. We've seen a lot of talk about various forms of ransomware, but probably the most famous is the Colonial Pipeline, which was shut down for six days due to uh, malware that was introduced by a very rookie security mistake, a compromised password. And um, Sorry, I, I apologize. Apparently, uh, my phone has decided that I'm talking to it. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> hasn't done that in a long time, so we're doing okay, I guess. Uh, so, what? Yeah. So, the pipeline was shut down, panic ensued, and just like toilet paper, gas ran short in uh, the southeast, and... Um, because of that and a number of other issues, including the fact that the company paid uh, several million dollars to the ransomers to get their network back up and running, um, the Department of Justice has decided that malware should be treated basically one level below uh, active terrorism threats as far as their research and investigation is concerned. And honestly, if you think about you know, our digital infrastructure these days, uh, it is likely more important than our physical infrastructure because the digital tends to control the physical, right? Whether it be, you know, a pipeline that feeds gas to nearly the entire Gulf Coast or the traffic lights at every intersection, you know, our, our digital infrastructure uh, controls a lot of our physical world. So if somebody wanted to cause a lot of trouble shutting down a pipeline Getting into a smart city and screwing with traffic lights might be a good way to do it. So it makes sense, I think, uh, for the Department of Justice to to really ratchet up the the importance of of malware investigations uh, within the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's it's no joke. Right? We used to think, oh, people just doing something on a computer is not a big deal. Uh, I mean, used to. I mean, like. A really long time ago yeah uh now it's it is a big deal i mean there's a lot i mean we know there's a lot of cyber attacks that have happened a lot of uh penetrations going on both from all from both state and non-state actors trying to trying to do things to either extract money or you know bring you know bring uh, critical services down I mean, that could be like, you know, an act of war, basically. So sure. uh, if conducted by the right, by certain people against certain groups against, you know, against certain targets. So there was during, yeah, I mean, during the height of the, the pandemic in the, in the United States, there were what, three hospital systems that fell under massive ransomware. 
and I think one of them had to had to shut down whole floors of the hospital. I mean, that's not great. Yeah, there, there's a lot of potential for, for damage and harm to people with, with these attacks. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, this is, this is a very good use of a very good use of law enforcement resources of the Department of Justice to try and stop these attacks and use all the tools at their disposal. I mean, I think part of the problem is they're going to probably find that a lot of the a lot of the attacks come from outside the United States. Mm -hmm. And so such as how they're going came to, from Russia. Yes, a lot of not I mean, not state Russia sponsored, but it did come from within the borders of Russia. Right. Or they come from but you know, they probably have a difficult time um, you know, probably have a difficult time arresting the people responsible sure. for it if they're sure. if they're in a country that we don't have a great relationship with, mm -hmm. let's say. Even uh, some countries so, that we have great relationships with, we don't have extradition treaties with. So even right. even if we have a good relationship with the country, it doesn't mean that they'll release a criminal to us. Right, exactly. So so in other words, I think, I mean, if they if they can do something about this, that's great. Uh, they should, but uh, ultimately, there's probably going to have to be a lot of things that take where they're going to have to do something against groups that are outside the United States because there's a, a lot of the stuff is coming from from outside the United States. Yeah, uh, a a couple of a couple of big hot spots, of course. But yeah, I we see we see ransomware come from from lots of places. Uh, and a lot of them, like you said, we either don't have a great relationship with Russia, China, or may not have an extradition treaty with, and so it doesn't. It might not matter anyway. Even if we said, "Hey, we need this 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 guy or this group of people," they might go, eh, "No." <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so that's that's the problem. So, what's the disincentive for them to? What's the incentive for them to stop? Right. Right. There's no incentive for them to stop if there there's no penalty. So right, that's rough. I mean, these yeah. things are these things are really bad, and we need to obviously everybody needs to uh, practice safe computing, and mm -hmm. we need a good in infrastructure to protect against this kind of thing. For sure, um, for and sure. Obviously, like we said at the top, malware bait, malware bites is a great way uh, to do that. Personally, there's also a you know, enterprise level stuff, um, on an, on a enterprise IT level, like, like, uh, with, with the colonial pipeline, you know, there's the, the fact that they didn't have, you know, a secondary air gapped backup system that they could switch to was obviously huge. Maybe they should be liable. Like, I, I don't know if anything's going on there, but maybe a company that does not practice good security that ends up resulting in like mm -hmm. damage to the infrastructure of the economy. Maybe the people who run that company in the U S should be, should be liable for allowing it to happen. It's not a bad idea. Uh, especially like, you know, if, even if it happened because of, of poor security practices on an individual person's case, but that's how it happened. It maintained because <laughs> You know, right? Somebody without, without uh, 
you know, good security practices had access enough to a system to be able to introduce this. And uh, there was no backup system to switch to. There were a lot of places where, where, you know, better practices could have at least prevented it from, even if it happened, you know, okay, so this person has access, they did something stupid, their password was compromised, the system goes down, there was nothing to switch to, to keep this thing up and running. I mean, what? And they ended up having to pay yep. millions to to this hacker group to get the, the pipeline back up and running. And who knows if they can trigger it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I would be in favor, even even I, who tend to to you know argue against a lot of a lot of interference. I think that's a great idea. I think making a company who who sets themselves up for failure liable on this could certainly help uh, prevent it in the future. Because they have an economic incentive not to do the right thing right now. They're, I mean, they got hurt at this moment, but at the same time, you know, having good security practices costs money, mm -hmm. right? So the incentive is to be cheap and not do Time, it. people, uh, money, it costs a lot of things. Yeah. So they need to have an economic incentive to do the right thing. Yeah, an economic and a legal incentive in this case that it would yeah it, it could potentially hit them in both. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that sounds reasonable to me, um, and could potentially prevent these kinds of things in the future. Maybe not a hundred percent, but you know we're starting to see more and more ransomware attacks. You know, we've seen whole cities and counties uh, get taken down, uh, newspapers. And like you said, it's because there's no current incentive uh, not to. So it's it's a good point, and it might be a great solution. Uh, we will see. Obviously, the government is is now interested in this topic, which is a good starting point. We'll see what happens from here. This week's DRM not included on F5 Lime is probably powered by Amazon Prime. In addition to your free shipping, you get a whole lot more, including free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. You get free video games and a free uh, Twitch subscription uh, here on Twitch uh, uh, with Amazon Prime Gaming and, of course, a whole lot more. If you're not a subscriber, we've got a 30-day free trial. If you are, we have the ability to give it as a gift uh, and to, uh, to uh, quick links to all of these features and a whole lot more, uh, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. And of course, uh, we know, before we get into the topic, we know that Prime Day is coming up in just a couple of weeks. So if you're not currently a subscriber and... Uh, would like to be so that you can get all those Prime Day deals. F5Live.tv slash Prime gives you that 30-day trial. Definitely works. I think we've all done it at some point in the past. Anyway, <laughs> um, speaking of, of streaming services, uh, one of the things that we've seen in the industry over the last year or so has been a slight shift in business model for a number of companies from pure pay to... Um, a tiered system with some advertiser-based uh, 
base. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> With an advertiser-based uh, tier at the bottom that costs less, and then uh, you know a, a, a tier above that that gets rid of the ads. Hulu started doing this. Uh, now it feels like many years ago, uh, and we saw Peacock follow suit uh, when it launched. When was that? A year, year and a half ago. Um, and now we're seeing some of the other guys start playing in that arena. CBS All Access um, had had this capability, and it came into Paramount Plus. And this week, uh, they have announced that they will be lowering the price by a dollar on that ad. Uh, supported feature, but they will also be uh, dropping the live TV option from it. So you'll save a little bit of money to not have the live TV, which uh, you know, the, the, the kind of people who are using streaming services with ad support um, tend to be looking for that deal. And so, you know, this might, this might work out for them. Uh, in addition... Uh, HBO Max has finally launched uh, the feature that they have talked about for a while, and that is an ad-supported tier at $9.99 compared to their $14.99 for their full uh, full subscription. HBO Max has, has had some struggles, honestly, as has the entire AT&T Media division, but <laughs> HBO Max uh, has done some creative things, you know, that... We know that they brought all of their 2020 films to uh, HBO Max. They also did uh, the Friends reunion, and yet they've still struggled to hit the milestones that they were hoping for. Uh, and so, you know, perhaps this 33% discount with the addition of ads uh, could help them because, you know, $15 is certainly higher than most people are, are used to um, in, in the streaming space. Although people who are HBO subscribers are not surprised by it at all because it's what they're what they're used to. So you know, there's <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. I think one of the problems HBO Max has is that people uh, who have HBO already get HBO Max, so they mm-hmm. can't call that subscriber growth. So, yeah. so there are a lot of people who got HBO Max by default, um, as as I did. True. Uh, and I've actually been using it a lot Have you? Uh, lately. Yeah, I've been using it a lot lately. Surprisingly, surprisingly so. Um, for for one, uh, I used to never watch HBO, but then there are a few shows started to come on that I really wanted to see. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, I've ended up seeing just a whole bunch of HBO shows lately. Like now, granted, this isn't really correct HBO Max, I guess, because they're HBO, but. And ended up watching them on HBO Max. Ended up watching Mayor of Easttown, which is a fantastic show, highly recommended. Uh, ended up going back and watching Big Little Lies, which was pretty cool. I watched okay. both seasons of that this week. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, being able to do it for ten dollars as opposed to fifteen is a good way to incentivize people to to sign up. Sure, uh, doesn't hurt that they've got a lot of a lot of movies coming on, although. The movies that are coming on, I, don't, I can't say a ton of them have been like, oh, I got to see this. I mean, Mortal Kombat was good for watching it on something I'm already paying for. If I had to pay to see that in the theater, I would have been disappointed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Wonder Wonder Woman it was definitely not a flawless victory. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 was okay. I mean, I probably would have paid to see that in the theater. The, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess what it also proves is a lot of things that are coming to streaming, you realize, wow, people paid $12 to see per person to see this or $15 per person to see this. Hmm, maybe it's not worth paying this much to see. So, yeah. Um, but I've always argued that going to the movies is overpriced. So sure, yeah. And um, you know, during the movie, uh, what was the name of that service? Movie Time? No, with the with the oh, tickets oh. where you could, yeah. Right, right. The unlimited. Yeah. Uh, unlimited. We talked about right. it a dozen times. We can't come up with the name. I got to say, that's not great for your brand. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it movie a lot pass. during Movie Pass. Movie Pass. We talked about and it a lot dead, during so all that. they are dead, so worried about it. <laughs> but, I mean, we talked about it a lot during all that, right? Um, because it was, a, it was an important uh, piece of topic. Because the thing that they were doing was trying to fix the pricing problems <laughs> of going to the movie. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always felt that way. There are very few things that I've felt uh, needed that big screen experience, but there are things. And that's why, you know, we said that we might see, you know, more return to the, the movie palace style versus the megaplex uh, going down in the in the future although you know uh, a quiet place too i always just called the first one shh <laughs> it's hard to remember because <laughs> i could never remember the name of the movie so i just call it shh and everybody knew what i was talking about i figured if i just called it shh too <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily know what i was saying anyway um you know that that did really well uh at the at the box office and i expect in the heights uh, to be another uh, theatrical success, not you know, not twenty nineteen theatrical success, but certainly you know twenty 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 one theatrical success. I think uh, I think uh, Quiet Place Two did eighty million or something like that. It's not you know hundred plus like it should have, but you know, I think some things really do lend themselves to that big experience but yeah i think what a lot of people are learning is that there's a lot of stuff that does not need that to feel to feel complete yeah no no question about it yeah. so it's i mean it's good that they're cutting that they're cutting the price of of these things mm -hmm. uh cutting and giving the some price options yeah i mean you know obviously it's great not to have commercials, but I mean, you save, if you can save some money by, by having to sit through some commercials, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, there are a whole, uh, obviously there are whole services like Tubi that that's their whole model is just, yeah. uh, ad supported free and ad supported. Yeah. Uh, Tubi, IMDb TV. Yep. No. Yeah. There's, there's some a number of, these of are getting original that are successful out there. Too. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, Roku, uh, Ro the Roku channel, they bought the remains of whatever Quibi was. 
So, they, you yeah. know, they've got a bunch of orig- original content now, too. I mean, they didn't make it, but, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that was on Quibi that'll be uh, continued under the Roku brand. So, you know, there's, there's a number of places where, where uh, ad-supported entirely is working. I mean, look, at, look at Peacock, right? Peacock's got a, an entirely free tier. Peacock is designed very much like, like Hulu, where there's a free tier with ads. Um, in fact, since since Comcast, well, NBC Universal was one of the the original two partners of Hulu. It's not surprising that it's following the old Hulu path. But there's a free with ads, but limited content. There's a paid with ads, uh, with all the content. Then there's a paid with no ads with all the content. You know, it's a there's a lot of experimenting going on in in business models right now in this space. And I think, you know, we've talked, it's such a crowded space and people are going to have to try to separate themselves. And there's a lot of experiments to, to see what that looks like. Disney's got Marvel, HBO's got DC. A couple of these services are entirely free with ad support. There's a freemium model. There's a lot, there's a lot of experimenting going on and it's been fun to watch. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate our live viewers. If you didn't and would like to in the future, uh, it's really easy. Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. And uh, if you join us live, you can talk to us during the show. Give us your feedback on the topics. We can uh, you know, incorporate questions and things. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you can't join us live, that is perfectly okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all the ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along, including on on uh, Facebook and YouTube and uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a whole lot of other places. And we make it easy to find over there. Uh, we will be off next week from the show, but we will have uh, some live content over on our Twitch channel. So definitely follow us over there on Twitch. We will be streaming... Uh, on and off from the Drew Project event. Uh, So that'll be a lot of fun. So definitely check that out. Uh, And then theoretically, if everything goes right, we will be back uh, in two weeks and then we'll be pretty normal until the 4th of July. So uh, that'll give us a couple of weeks together. So with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you back in two weeks. Ciao.